0: Yeah. <laughs> welcome to manners and madness at jane austen and david lynch podcast my name is maya adkins
1: and i'm christian cabrera and this week we are uh diving into david lynch's eraser head
0: Ooh, i'm so excited about this one. <laughs>
1: excited uh creeped out spooked <laughs> all sorts of things going on
0: i know i was like i don't know what christian is gonna think of this i didn't really i kind of warned you i told a you it was bit. weird
1: a little bit yeah i yeah I did not, I don't know, I didn't expect to jump into, like, absurdism, but <laughs> I don't mind absurdism. It was just different than what I expected.
0: Yeah. Well, we might as well just go straight into our first impressions. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, my first impression, um, well, <laughs> my first impression was a little warped because I, since I was using um, your criterion uh, to watch it, <laughs> it started off right where you left off, which was 15 minutes before the end. And so we, I was like, "Oh, we're jumping right into this movie," and all this ending stuff was happening. I had no idea what was going on, and then I checked, and I was like, oh, "Maybe I should start at the beginning."
0: The most disconcerting way to watch yes. Eraserhead.
1: The worst. But um, I, my first impression was, um,
0: you can hear Sonora crying a little bit. <laughs> Go away, (laughs) Zidora. Sorry. (laughs) What were we saying? All right.
1: Um, But my first impression, really, from the beginning was, I don't know. It was really interesting because it's in black and white, and it feels, um, I think when we had talked about earlier, you said Charlie Chaplin- like, he looked kind of like Charlie yeah. Chaplin, Henry. And I, it felt kind of like that. I felt like I was transported back in time. Yeah. But it also felt, like, oddly, like, post-apocalyptic, futuristic oh, yeah. a little bit.
0: Because it's very uh, dystopian-looking yeah. um, surroundings.
1: <laughs> yeah. And those kind of dystopia post-apocalyptic movies always kind of make it feel a little dirty. Like, greasy and gross. Yeah. Um, just because everything is so, like, disgusting. <laughs> Especially but when
0: everything is covered in dirt,
1: yeah, <laughs> dirt and just grime. But it was I I liked it. You know, I think um, these kind of movies are not necessarily ones you can say are necessarily good or bad. They're mm-hmm. very like subjective and oh yeah. Um, but I I enjoyed watching it. I never had any idea what was coming, and <laughs> I was always shocked. But.
0: But I watching the great. ending first, you knew there was a crazy baby coming. Yeah, well, I didn't
1: even know it was a baby. I thought I was like, "Where did this thing come from? What is this?" Then we later find out it's what they consider to be a premature baby.
0: Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah, it
1: was. It was. It was fun. It was a wild ride.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. My first impression, the first time I saw it was probably last year, mm. <laughs> when I got, or maybe two years ago, when I had film struck. Because it was on there, uh, as well as a lot of his... Um, well, what's now on the special features of the Criterion Collection okay. DVD. Um, a lot of his uh, student films. Like, okay. short films. So, I was just like, oh, a lot of David Lynch I never got to see. And, um, you know, I thought it was interesting at that time.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting is a good description. But I kind there.
0: of, I guess maybe forgot about it a little i have a tendency to forget about things as soon as they're (laughs) as soon as they jump (laughs) out of my eyesight um but yeah watching it this week or the last two weeks i've probably watched it like four or five times oh my gosh and every time i've you know how when you're on a vacation and you're Uh driving to this place you've never been before and it seems like it takes forever but on the way back it's really short yes it's kind of like watching Eraserhead. head the first time you're like how is this movie only an hour and a half it feels so long <laughs> and then yeah. the second time you're like oh that is quick <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i totally get that
0: yeah so but i love it i have a really special place in my heart for any absurdism or impressionism or surrealism i tend to think of this one as absurdism but yes
1: well i think we when we had talked about it earlier you said like it seems like it's a 50-50 split between yeah. absurdism and surrealism, which I was like it like a light bulb, like click, like duh, <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yeah,
0: it feels like the first half of the movie is absurdist and the second half is surrealist. Yeah. But we'll get into that later. Um, For sure. <laughs> okay, so let's get into some notes about the movie
1: i'm very uh excited to hear these now. oh my gosh i watched so
0: (laughs) many documentaries about the making of this movie and i feel like they're almost more interesting than the movie although the movie is really interesting to try to theorize about but um okay so it came out in 1977 okay right um we'll get into when it started because (laughs) it took a really long time to make the tagline um Okay, the main tagline, the one that David Lynch wrote, is okay. a dream of dark and troubling things.
1: Sounds right.
0: It sounds perfect. And it's so poetic. Um, but then another tagline I found was, in heaven, everything is fine, which is, uh, you know, the line from the yeah, song. Yeah, I
1: was about to say the song. So I don't says. know
0: how they sold it. Um, maybe both. Uh, the cast had Jack Nance as Henry <gasps> Spencer. Legendary who, David yeah, Lynch. Yeah, this was the beginning of their beautiful relationship. Um, Charlotte Stewart as Mary X, who also worked with Lynch yes. again um, in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Joseph as Bill X. Um, Jean Bates as Mrs. X. Judith Roberts as the beautiful girl across the hall. <laughs> yes,
1: I love Judith Roberts.
0: <laughs> uh, Laurel Near at the lady in the radiator. And Jack Fisk was the man in the planet. Okay. Yeah. Or the man from another planet. And then I kept seeing in the cast list that Jennifer Lynch was the little girl, but I don't... I, I've watched it five times. I never saw a little girl in the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know. Maybe I, don't, I somehow missed it, but...
1: Well, I don't remember. I only... The only child in the movie I remember is a little boy who grabs the head.
0: Yeah. I don't think that was Jennifer Lynch.
1: Mm, I don't think so. I didn't Maybe look.
0: because it, originally it was um, like 20 minutes longer.
1: Oh. Uh, and so
0: maybe that was some that got cut. Maybe. Yeah. So, it was obviously written and directed by David Lynch. He also um, helmed the editing and sound design. Okay. And I think David Lynch and sound design, he has a real, even to like to the most recent Twin Peaks seasons uh-huh. that just came out, I thought, I was so impressed with the sound design in that. And now, looking at his very first thing and seeing, okay, well, that's he's just He's always just been so good Yeah, at he's it. so talented at yeah. that. Um, but this was his first fe- feature-length film. Okay, so... David Lynch, huh <laughs> I feel like I know so much more than I actually wrote down, but, um, the movie was produced with the assistance of the American Film Institute, which is where, um, David Lynch was going to school. Okay. Uh, he had previously gone to art school in Philadelphia and got a chance to get a scholarship to AFI. So he went there in, um, Los Angeles. I think. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was supposed to say New York or Los Angeles.
0: Yeah. Los Angeles. And, um. So while he was studying there, oh sorry, it took five years to film because uh-huh. of uh, just financial difficulties. Because so what happened was, AFI uh-huh. was giving out a like a certain amount for a student film. He was originally going to do this other film first. It was he had a script called Garden Back, okay, and it was based on one of his own paintings, which is of a hunched man with a garden growing out of his back okay and it was um about adultery and it featured a continuously growing insect representing a man's lust for his neighbor
1: it would have been around
0: 45 minutes long but uh the afi thought that was too long for <laughs> such a non-linear script <laughs> okay so then he presented the idea of a eraser head which was basically consisting of the part where his head gets turned into an eraser okay. and that was like what the idea behind the movie was originally right and so they said well they were still opposed at that point but the Dean threatened to resign what if it was vetoed and oh. supposedly according to one of the interviews I saw he actually they actually accepted his resignation but film but Whoa. gave him the money anyway so so weird. So it was a lot bigger than they, you know, had originally anticipated. Right. And obviously there was a lot of controversy over it being made at all. And so anyway, then um, they ended up basically kind of self-funding it with their own jobs. And, wow. Um, let's see. Jack Fisk, who played the man in Another Planet, uh-huh. he was married to Sissy Spacek. Oh, I didn't know And they that. Had played a big part in it staying funded. Uh-huh. So, um, and Fisk actually went on to be production designer on like Carrie, the movie, and yeah. he worked with Terrence Malick several times and Paul Thomas Anderson, and he also has worked with Lynch again on some of his other movies.
1: Yeah, because I was looking at his IMDb page, and he's done like production design for like There Will Be Blood, The Revenant. Like he's yeah, he's still working.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so, um. It was shot at um, these disused stables that were part of the campus, uh-huh. and a little bit at this place called Greystone Mansion, which was also owned by the school. Okay. As well as like in industrial locations around the city that they could find. Yeah. Um, Frederick Elms, who you may remember from Blue Velvet, he was the cinematographer on Blue Velvet.
1: Ah. He did
0: the. He actually took over cinematography from Herbert Ca- Cardwell, mm-hmm. who um basically i had to leave to go get paid work <laughs> yeah <laughs> because you only volunteer uh, for so long yeah <laughs> um but they both worked really well together it was like a real smooth handoff and awesome. you know it was all good feelings all around
1: yeah i mean you don't really notice like a difference in the cinematography of it
0: no 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 it was a
1: really a like, smooth transition
0: yeah and i just think it's so gorgeous mm-hmm. The like black and white is so crisp and you can see all the details but it's like got really dark shadows and it's just yeah i i felt
1: i feel like it was very like transportive like i felt like i went back in time yeah it was so crazy
0: yeah um let's see uh alan spelt spent a year with lynch working on the sound design They basically i don't know if they were still in the stables but they took over some building and soundproofed it and just made a ton of different sounds and Uh layered them because they were trying to have the movie ready to enter it into the Cannes film festival okay then there was a whole debacle where they thought the deadline was this time and they went and gave the movie and unfortunately all the jurors had left the day before so nobody (gasps) was actually watching the movie (laughs) yeah um uh yeah it opened to small audiences (laughs) Uh, yeah it seemed to have very little interest but it gained popularity was several long runs as a midnight movie okay it basically ran into like in the 80s as a midnight movie which <laughs> we'll get into midnight movies maybe yeah a little bit i would say
1: because i'm not like super familiar with the idea of midnight movies yeah so i like to hear about that do you have budget stuff in there because i did look at the budget of it oh you did yeah
0: okay no i don't have any budget stuff okay
1: um but i, I read that i was reading that the budget was around like twenty thousand dollars Oh yeah, for the entire movie, and technically box office gross was twenty two thousand, so they made two thousand in profit. <laughs> so it was a profitable film.
0: Yeah. Sign up. Um, yeah, I have some stuff about because it's still making money to this day. So
1: wow. Oh, because are they still still showing it?
0: They're still selling copies. I mean, wow. Criterion Collection just came out with a whole new yeah. set.
1: It seems like one of those movies that just like gets better with time. Like people appreciate it more. Yeah, definitely. And it has now obviously a wider access yeah so it's like and I I got
0: some other really cool stuff for the second episode of this one for some notes excited okay but for now Uh let's just move into the recap perfect (laughs) We first see the title of David Lynch's company at the time. I don't know if it still is because I've never heard of it before.
1: Me neither. But
0: it's called Absurda. And so right off the bat I'm thinking absurdism. Yep. And I don't really see this movie described as absurdism in any of the stuff I was reading about it, but huh. at least the first half to me, um, does seem like it. And I'll do a deep dive on absurdism at the oh, end, yeah. end of this episode. So
1: Yeah, it definitely like gave me absurdist vibes. Like I remember watching um a film version of Endgame, and it's just seemed Uh, very parallel and like just like the themes of it
0: yeah yeah like a person trying to survive in a absurd world yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: very crazy things happening
0: so okay we open on a sideways man (laughs) (laughs) henry who we come to know later as henry henry is floating in space with a planet superimposed behind him Uh uh-huh he like it disappears and we see only the planet and it slowly zooms in on it. And the black and white and this part just looks so amazing. You can see every single detail in this weird trench that we're going through. Yes. So we go through these trenches of this planet and we zoom over a shack with a big black hole in the roof. And I noticed there's a lot of hole. We go through holes, Yeah. black holes, white holes.
1: Well, like also like the holes in his blanket, yeah, and and some of the clothing and mm-hmm. the little tiny chickens. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Later on, yeah, we'll talk about that.
0: Yeah, so I think maybe because we know from Blue Velvet that he was really interested in trying to go from the outer spaces to the inner spaces, and he used the ear right. to represent that. So interesting.
1: Very interesting.
0: Um, so we zoom in on the shack, and inside we see a diseased-looking man looking out the window.
1: Yeah, that was some serious uh, prosthetics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he likes a real bumpy. Brody. <laughs> um, then we flash back to Henry. He opens his mouth, and a translucent sperm baby.
1: Yeah. Well, like I, you know, I didn't think about that it being like sperm. I mean, it's it's very like that kind of like organism esque looking, kind of yeah. weird tail thing.
0: Well, I mean, we see a lot of these things yes. in the movie, and i think that it's like maybe representing a sperm although here's another fun gross fact for you oh no oh no they um used to go to the hospital and the nurses would give them the used um or the old umbilical cords Uh for the day and that's, I think, what they made most of those things out of. <laughs> they kept calling them billy cords. Like, Kathy no. Colson was just, oh, we go pick up the billy cords. I can't believe they gave them to us. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably
1: a way for her to be like, we're touching people's umbilical cords.
0: So they're probably actually made out of umbilical cords. That's crazy. Which makes sense. Like, the baby, the sperm, the umbilical cord. It's yeah. all about creating something, you know, something. creating
1: life. Yeah. At the beginning that's so crazy. I never, um, I don't know, I never thought about it. I just thought, like, you know, maybe some sort of, like, since we're in space, because I also thought that was not a planet. I thought it was the moon. Oh. But, um, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense that it's another planet, because the moon, I don't think, it has trenches. It just has craters. Yeah. But, um...
0: I only uh, thought of it as a planet because the guy is described as banned from... Yeah. <laughs> that's the only
1: reason that would make sense. Otherwise, I would be like, oh, it's just a big ball of rock. Yeah. But, um that makes more sense because i thought it was just like an alien it could be
0: an interplanet like you know like yeah a cell or something
1: that that's that makes sense too Like so it's just one of those things where it's like it's not defined for you so you've got to just come up with whatever makes sense but
0: i kept thinking of it as david lynch's first sex scene (laughs) yeah
1: yeah well it was like so funny because when i started at the very end of of the movie (laughs) and then i went back i was like all right let's see if this makes sense we start with a scene, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we still gotta figure out what's going on." Yeah,
0: there's still a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. So the man, the like um, the man from the planet mm-hmm. pulls a lever, and it seems to make the sperm go shoot, a, shoot away. Um, then we see um a puddle. Uh huh. And the sperm splashes down in the puddle and gets sucked in. Yes. And we see bubbles, and they almost turn into, like, the eraser shavings that we see later in Yeah, as the sperm is going down. Anyway, I just wrote down all the random stuff. I didn't, like, necessarily say what any of it meant, but... <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, we can dissect yeah. it and see. Because it's never really, like, defined. Yeah. So it's really all up to interpretation.
0: <laughs> so then we are, we exit the darkness through a white hole this time. Okay, yep. Yeah. And we come upon Henry looking like Charlie Chaplin. Yes. <laughs> Wandering around this bleak industrial landscape with, like, the sounds of factories and whistles. And there's also this, like, creepy Fats Waller organ music playing mm-hmm. underneath it. Um, Henry steps in a hole, like, straight up from Groundhog's Day. Yep. And it's like, oh, this feels even more like Charlie Chaplin and, like, yeah. an absurdist Shaking his comedy. shoe off. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, he also walks by this building and it looks like Joe versus the volcano to me, which is Uh a movie. (laughs) I've never seen it. Anyway, I think it's a a perfect movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to check that out.
0: Um, he goes through all these pipes and spilled oil. Mm -hmm. And I think he has got his groceries, but he apparently has to go a really long way to get his like two items. Yeah. (laughs) When the world ends. Yeah. This, um, Is supposed to, I think, be based on uh, David Lynch's time in Philadelphia.
1: Just like aimlessly wandering. Well, because he lived in
0: like a really, he went from like living in the Midwest in like a really happy time to Uh like living in Philadelphia, and it was like they were really poor and it was bleak, and they lived Mm. on a barren factory corner, and so. Oh wow. I think this is kind of in his head, a lot of bit based on that. Okay. Um, so he he gets to his building and we get a better look at him he's got this pencil protector yeah <laughs> like <laughs> that's there the whole time he's got this crazy super tall hair which was so crazy at the time that if he walked outside with it people would just be like what's what wrong with that? your hair <laughs> <laughs> it was like stacked yeah and he gets into the ele- elevator and it takes a really really long time and this is so <laughs> like it's so funny but it's also very absurdist yeah it's
1: just sitting there
0: (laughs) yeah so he he goes to his apartment he's at 26 his neighbor's 27 i don't know you know we we thought about numbers in blue velvet but
1: yeah i was trying to figure out what that meant because i when the because i feel like it was it almost felt like purposeful that when he opened the door it was like right there in your face 26 it was so big so i was like does it mean anything like I i don't know
0: I don't know if David Lynch was like... Maybe he was around 26 when he was making this. Maybe. I mean, it took five years, so (laughs) it's definitely (laughs) a possibility. Um, His neighbor comes out. She gives me real Dorothy Valens vibes.
1: Okay, so (laughs) yes, and... (laughs) This is going to be psychotic, but when I first came out, I was like, that looks like Sandra Bernhardt to me. Doesn't she look like, she Sandra? Look like Sandra? She does kind of look like Sandra Bernhardt. She has very like severe features and, and I, the hair, the hair, and I think it was um the eyes. The eyes seem like very Sandra Bernhardt to me and the mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah, like the dead eyes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yes, but I was like, that's so, it was so funny to me because I was like, that's not her,
0: it's not her, but
1: it looks just like her to me.
0: Oh yeah, she definitely has a look of her. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. She's definitely, she's like holding her robe together. Mm-hmm. She's got like a real sexual vibe going, but she also has like a real sad look to her.
1: So Reminson I got of... like a
0: Dorothy Valens vibe from her. Yep. Definitely. She basically is telling him that a girl named Mary called, invited him to dinner with her, her family. Mm-hmm. And he looks terrified. <laughs> <laughs> And she looks intrigued, but he slinks back into his apartment, (laughs) his teensy, teensy, tiny apartment that's got, like, a record player and a radiator, and that's it. (laughs) his entertainment. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Except for sometimes he likes to sort the stuff in his drawers. Yes. Uh, His dresser, uh, let's see um oh he puts on the records he switches tracks takes off one of his socks which looks like it's made out of stockings Mm -hmm. it looks so thin he puts it on the radiator and i'm thinking those socks are gonna melt yeah (laughs) i was
1: like aren't they supposed to be really hot
0: (laughs) i once put a sock on a light bulb and burned it when i was a kid because i wanted to warm it up
1: (laughs) (laughs) a light bulb (laughs)
0: I buried them in the trash can afterwards. so, I was so <laughs> How old were you? I was like six. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's
1: six. I was like waiting for you to be like 20. <laughs> no.
0: No, I, I knew hot by then. <laughs> <laughs> um, the radiator is hissing. And we kind of pan down and see that the floor is covered in like this. Moss? Uh, yeah, moss or pine needles or just like some sort of dried plant life.
1: Yeah, it was... I was like, is it? At first, I was like, insulation? Like, is that what that's for? But I was like, it didn't seem very I know, I, cold. I was just
0: like, are you trying to start a fire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your whole apartment is a giant fire hazard. <laughs> it's weird.
1: Like, the plant life in this movie was really interesting. Yeah. Like, because on his bedside table, didn't he have just like a mound of dirt with a, a plant? Yeah. And in the hallway, there was just a plant, but they're all dead. Yeah. So and I didn't weird.
0: think, I even, I was trying to remember if I could see any plants outside or if we only saw the dead plants inside
1: yeah i mean the I only think at
0: mary's house there might have been some dead vines
1: outside yeah i didn't say i only at her house is where i noticed some outside plants yeah. but everywhere else was barren
0: yeah so he basically just sits there and stares at the brick wall outside of his window as the soundscape <laughs> swells he goes over to the dresser it's also covered with brambles he throws he finds some coins in the drawer and throws them in a bowl of water
1: yeah, I was, like, not which, sure what why he has a
0: bowl of water in his drawer. And his George catching, sitting. And it's got coins in it. It's weird. So odd. And then he finds the two halves of Mary's picture and puts them together, which, when did he bring that thing yeah. up? <laughs> well, it's
1: also, like, he puts them together, but not in, like, the right way. Like, <laughs> he puts them, like, too close. So, like, her head's, like, literally right on top of her shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> so freaky looking.
0: Yeah, he's freaking out about this dinner. But we we find out in a minute why. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mary's waiting there at her window and we see henry walking through the industri- in the um the industrial train station like area again except for this time it's night and there's like dogs barking and she lives in a tiny tiny house next to what appears to be a steam factory
1: <laughs> yeah Same. not like like literally like right next within feet <laughs> there's know, just steam blows. blowing sure. out <laughs>
0: um but you know you never see anyone on the streets besides henry there's no like people working at these factories Mm -mm. it's just like barren barren um she uh sees him arrive and he's kind of reluctant to come up to the door she says you're late (laughs) and he's like i didn't even know if you still liked me or if if you even wanted me to come because you never come around anymore you disappeared and then she kind of lightens up a little, and she's like, oh, "Okay, come on in." Yeah. <laughs> and the first thing we hear when we walk in, it's, and it's all these puppies suckling. Oh, it was like, like a million, like puppies. twelve puppies <laughs>
1: on and that poor mom dog was just like.
0: Uh. I know, and that seems symbolic, kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, ugh. So, I feel like there's so much symbolism, like imagery, in this movie. And I, I feel yeah. like in like in high school, I would have spent, like, a whole, like, two months on <laughs> every single thing. Yeah, like, he paper had the coolest this. teacher. <laughs> yeah, seriously.
0: He sits on the couch with, like, the most awkward slunchy slouch I've uh, ever seen. Yeah, that's not comfortable. <laughs> no.
1: Which I guess the setting is uncomfortable, so oh, yeah, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, th- <sighs> Mary's mom wants to know what he does, and he says he's on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus. he basically works at um, Mary has some sort of a fit while the mom is brushing her hair, and he's yeah. explaining that he works at a printer's when well, he's not on vacation.
1: Yeah, I was like,
0: <sighs> it's so matter of fact the way she's brushing her hair, like, oh, like this a, is the cure for what happens yeah, when she but, has a fit,
1: <laughs> and it feels like. He, henry also knows that because he has no reaction to this at all like so this is normal yeah i was like what is going on maybe it's living next to a steam factory
0: (laughs) apparently the poisons in this town have seeped into everything (laughs) seriously i wonder
1: if there's a theme of like um like industrialization and like uh pollution
0: maybe because i get that a lot from it definitely feels like it or i mean oh yeah because the baby, I mean, we haven't got today. Oh my god, <laughs> that's just so much. So dad comes in. His name is Bill. Um, he gets a name. Mom is just Mrs. Mrs. X. <laughs> X. He says we're having chicken tonight. <laughs> and he's like little damn things, but they're new. <laughs> uh, so babies. He's got like this big smile, and he's so excited about this chicken. Mm. But then he starts to talk about how he's watched the neighborhood change and he was a plumber and he laid every damn pipe in this town and he starts to get angrier and angrier and the sound starts to build and it sounds like you know like it's a pressure
1: like a like like a what's it called uh, like, a yeah. it like a kettle yeah, yeah like, like a, a
0: kettle yeah like a pressure cooker here.
1: just like right when it's about to going off
0: yeah and um mom and mary are like Calm down. Calm down, Bill. And... Look at my,
1: look at my knees. Look at my knees. <laughs> yeah, he comes out
0: with his knees.
1: I was like, they look like knees to me.
0: <laughs> but then mom just kind of like barrel chests him back into the kitchen. Yeah, I was like, oh, she's in charge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he was clearly gonna burn down the house with his anger. <laughs> yeah,
1: seriously. I wonder um, that uh, that type of anger, like change and. In how he you know that whole idea of like i've been here you know to build this this place up yeah and i've been here since the beginning it very it's like super reminiscent of like the um what would you call it like not industrialized, but like like the coal miners and yeah like middle america like white anger
0: yeah
1: especially white male anger these days like it gave me those kind of vibes which was so weird like i don't i don't really know if that's all, I'm, I'm sure it was prevalent back then as well because it was like what
0: i think probably always there's the older people going yeah. back in my day yeah because i watched this place change yeah so he,
1: i mean did he did david lynch write the script all the way through and it just the filming took forever or was he yeah. writing okay well i mm, some i'm sure of he it i know
0: he came up with like as the filming process was going along like the lady and the radiator right. but
1: because um... i was also thinking I mean, if he started. This writing... stuff
0: was all done at the very beginning, though.
1: Okay, because so like 70, early 70s, which was like what, couple years after the civil rights movement had
0: yeah, come the... to a head. Yeah, Vietnam, Nixon, so God, all that stuff.
1: So I, I kind of feel like maybe that's also, um, very like a comment on that time too about white male anger. Yeah, it's so weird how it's like the parallels to today. It hasn't changed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, things never change. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, back in the kitchen, he is basting these chickens <laughs> in his little tiny oven. Oh, and um, kitchen. mom is making grandma help her toss a salad. She like cuts up the salad, then grabs Puts the bowl in her lab, grabs her hands, tosses it, and then she lights her up a cigarette and puts it in her, puts mouth. her mouth. It's actually kind of a sweet scene, honestly. It's like, yeah. oh, see, they, uh, this looks like a normal. I mean, it's not normal, normal, but it seems like a.
1: Yeah, just like we're a family.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then the cuckoo clock announces that it's chicken time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cuckoo clock that's head spins completely around. Yeah, it was look crazy. Yeah, I and mean, then we have. A pretty iconic dinner scene um yep
1: that's how i would describe it
0: <laughs> bill is telling henry about his arm and how it used to be totally dead and he couldn't use it at mm-hmm. all but he rubbed it every day <laughs> and managed to get the use uh, of it yi yi. but he still can't feel it so he's afraid he's gonna cut it which makes total sense um yeah usually mom carves the chicken but will henry do it tonight so Henry grabs this giant knife. It's giant. It's like three times the size of this well, chicken. It's like a mini
1: machete. And I was like, Shh. and I saw like, there was like a smaller steak knife next to him. And I was like, can't we just use that
0: one? No. But uh, I mean, can't we all just cut up our own chickens? Yeah, seriously. Because um, there's like five of them. It's not like they're all going to yeah. eat this one tiny chicken. So weird. Um. So let's see. He picks up the giant knife and he's like, just cut them up like regular chickens? And he's like, yep, just cut them up like regular chickens. <laughs> so he starts to, well, he doesn't even start to cut it. He just puts the, like, fork down to mm-hmm. get ready to cut it. And brown goo starts to come out. Ugh. And it's really gross. And across the table, mom starts to have her own kind of fit. Yeah. Where at first she seems like, uh, I'm so hungry. Uh, uh, uh. yeah. But then it almost seems like she's having an orgasm. And then it ends with her crying yeah. Hysterically and running out of the room and then Mary immediately starts crying and runs out of the room.
1: Yeah. Well I'm like I don't know. I like I think about later scenes and I think about like the way she reacted about how it seemed first like like yearning and then it was like a little bit like sexual and then sad. It seemed almost like like sexual violence was a the theme. Maybe. Maybe um, just because of a scene that she has later with Henry. Like, not even later, like, shortly <laughs> oh, yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. Um, that we'll get to, but it seems like maybe that was it. I mean, but she seems to be in charge, so I'm not she's sure if she's, like, a perpetrator or if she's the victim.
0: I was wondering if it had something to do with, like, I mean, are chickens, in a way, a symbol of fertility? And, I And, like, think maybe so. the egg, and maybe, I don't know, because, but it also feels kind of like people are just having weird fits because yeah. of just the poison in the air yeah. or whatever. Is I mean, going like on. they
1: raise these chickens; they're very small. So <laughs> uh, who knows if it's like the food is polluted and it's just fucking with their minds.
0: I mean, maybe it's just. I mean, is the goo real? Is... <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was so weird. Is it was the goo bubbling making
0: and... her have this weird fit? It's all very strange. And maybe it's like triggering. Maybe, um, so. <laughs> So, Henry is left at the table with Bill, and there's a very long silence. Awkward. <laughs> and Bill goes, well, Henry, what do you know? <laughs> and Henry goes, oh, I don't know much of anything. Right. <laughs> and Dad just has, like, permagrin, and Ugh. it's very unsettling. And then Mary sticks her head out, she's crying in the doorway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Always
0: crying. <laughs> <laughs> but then Mom is like, I need to talk to you. Um the lamp goes out psh, and which uh, David Lynch and electricity mm-hmm. is definitely something there's like, he loves electricity. Yeah. It represents, I, I sometimes I feel like it represents the bridge between the two worlds.
1: Uh-huh. I can see that. But I... um,
0: I'm not sure if at this point, I mean, that's my impression from twin peaks, but
1: yeah. Cause if you think of like a modern, uh, well, I guess even ancient, but like modern representation of electricity is like light and dark. Yeah. um the relationship between light and dark and what i also like what i'm just realizing is like henry's hair almost looks like he was electrocuted like almost like a little frankenstein like mrs frankenstein X. yeah it does um Brian frankenstein not yeah. missus but it's so weird
0: it's <laughs> i was so thinking weird. it kind of looked like um an eraser too yeah definitely <laughs> um i mean i guess that's not a big probably pretty <laughs> obvious <laughs> you know eraser head yeah <laughs> <laughs> so okay mom She wants to know if he and Mary ever had sex. And he does not want to answer. No. (laughs) He does say he loves her, which seems strange because...
1: No affection whatsoever between them. No chemistry. I don't
0: think she loves him. Um, Definitely not. And then mom goes to kiss slash bite his neck. Yeah. he is like, Mary, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Help me. And she comes and pulls her off.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what I was like. Sexual violence... Because it definitely, like, invading people's spaces. And I was like, what is the relationship? Because that whole scene earlier at the table and then now this. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is going on? Yeah.
0: So she tells him about the baby and he's like, that's impossible. We, it wasn't that long ago, you know? And, um... Mary's like, they don't even know if it is a baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a preemie baby.
0: But mom says, no, it's premature, but it's a baby. <laughs> sure. says they have to get married, and Henry's nose starts to bleed. And... A lot. But then Mary is like, you don't mind getting married, do you? And he's like, no, I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, dad is totally oblivious, and the only thing he's thinking about is the fact that dinner's getting real cold.
1: Yep, he wants these little chickens.
0: Yep. So then we flash forward pew, <laughs> to Henry's apartment, and Mary is there feeding the quote-unquote baby. Sure. Now this baby.
1: <laughs> God.
0: There's so much to say about this baby. For one thing, David Lynch has never told anyone how he made it. God, it's um, a mystery. He likes to uh, pretend like he uh, found it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> like I mean... It's a real baby. It looks real. It really...
1: Well, it, the way it moves, it, like, I was like,
0: its tongue out and <clears throat> sucks yeah, its lips.
1: I was like, it's suckling almost. Like I was like, you know, this is like kind of grim to think about. Not the, but like it's not the way it's like it looks specifically, but like kind of the shape of it. The head almost reminds me because we in high school we dissected fetal pigs. Ah, and it almost feels like that because it's. I mean, clearly the rest of the body is not like that. Uh-huh. But it almost feels like the shape of it was like. And, like, the way it looked was almost like yeah. something of that.
0: It kind of looked like E.T. to me, but yes. <laughs> David Lynch did, um, and he tells us in interviews, um, as, as well as getting umbilical cords, he called up a vet and said uh-huh. that he needed a dead cat Uy. for this movie, and he got him a cat. And he said that he <laughs> put it in formaldehyde, and uh-huh. then later, when he went to, like, open it up, uh-huh. that it had... A million beautiful colors, but then as soon as it hit the air, they like all started to fade.
1: Oh.
0: And I, I can't remember, but I know that I thought of some parallel to something in this movie. But interesting. So I was wondering if maybe he had like used like maybe the skull, or yeah. you know somehow used the cat because they did use part of it and as like a set, something set I think. piece or something.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like the the structure of the face of it was so weird because the eyes were so like wide set and the nose was so like um it almost seems like it was like a A a cow like a cow almost yeah but it's way too small so i was like what in the world
0: (laughs) yeah people have speculated um all sorts of stuff but he's never said and
1: well they did a great job (laughs) because it's crazy like
0: a real alien baby (laughs) yeah
1: it was crazy looking
0: um Okay, so she's trying to feed it, and it just is not eating. It keeps spitting up the food, and she is clearly fed up. She, like, goes and sits by the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Henry checks his mail, and he gets a very tiny box, mm-hmm. which he goes outside to open, and inside is a little tiny worm or Ugh, something. Something. It almost looks like a root, but then it seems like a worm later
1: yeah because it well it like almost looks like it moves like it like squirms like in the his way hand? well not in his hand but like and that's how it would move like it doesn't seem like stiff
0: oh yeah yeah it definitely has like a rubbery kind of like yeah it feels organic definitely <laughs> um so he goes back to his apartment he like hides the box he comes in and he smiles at the baby uh-huh smiles at mary and then flops on the bed and stares at the radiator uh-huh and we kind of see in the radiator and we see that there's a stage yes. with a single light lighting it up and it's like <laughs> henry has made up this whole other world in his radiator she's escaping <laughs> his current one yeah but i don't blame him uh, mary asks henry about the mail and he lies <laughs> no mail Says there's no mail um Yeah, she's, like, trying to feed this baby, and he's like, oh, they're so cute. He never goes over, says hello, Mm -hmm. he never tries to help. (laughs) He just flops on the bed and escapes into his radiator dream. Um, So, okay, (laughs) that's about to catch up with him, though. Yeah. So, it's, uh, everyone's in bed. We see the light outside in the window, and it, like, goes out. And we can hear this huge storm raging outside. There's, you can really see this pile of dirt with the tree it's Uh like really highlighted at this part yeah um he henry is awake though well they're both awake but they're both facing away from each other henry takes his little special worm and puts it into this empty cupboard it looks like a very special cupboard but there's nothing in it the baby is crying like softly to itself the whole time um but he just gets back in bed
1: terrible (laughs) and
0: mary is awake the whole time like uh (laughs) this baby um henry actually reaches for him her but she like shrugs him off (laughs) she's like no thank you yeah she's over it um you can tell she has reached the end of her rope just laying there um oh were you say something uh
1: well it seems almost like she it's like postpartum yes like a hundred percent like i'm not sure that was something that david lynch was experiencing well he had
0: just had um or recently well i guess (laughs) it's hard to say
1: what time yeah but had he had place. a
0: young child
1: uh maybe his wife had went through postpartum yes yeah, his...
0: definitely possible because she was also well we'll get into that later um so okay mary she gets up she turns on the light she goes into the bathroom oh no first she gets up and she screams at the baby to shut up she like goes <sighs> and yells at his face Ugh, so um, sad. i know it's like you st- you're grossed out by the baby and then you kind of start to feel for the baby and then you're like, no, I don't feel sorry for this baby. But then you feel sorry for it again. It's like, you yeah. have, I feel like I had a very, like, weird relationship with this baby and, like, whether I cared about it or not. <laughs> had sympathy for it.
1: It's like, it's this weird alien baby. So I'm like, <laughs> I feel like it doesn't even know what it is. And it's just like, it's on the desk on a pillow. Like, it feels so, like...
0: Yeah, nobody ever picks it up. Nobody ever. No. I mean, there is, like, my l- one time or maybe two times where someone will like just touch the top of its head yeah. in an affectionate manner but um, yeah so she gets up she screams at it she gets back in bed finally she turns on the light she goes in the bathroom slamming stuff around and she changes and says she's going home she says that all she needs is a decent night's sleep and that <laughs> he's on vacation why doesn't he look after it for a while <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then she also says, you better take really good care of it while I'm gone. So it's like, you know, you can tell she's so conflicted. This actually feels yeah. like the realest scene to me. Yeah. Like, it feels like, oh, I was, you've had this conversation <laughs> before. You yeah. Know? It feels like a real, like, this scene could actually happen to somebody. Yeah she's um yeah so she's obviously conflicted she's like i can't take it anymore i've got to leave you can take care of it you've done crapola since (laughs) this baby has come home
1: staring at the radio all day (laughs) i'd be mad too
0: but she still is like but don't mess this up i don't want to have you know don't kill my baby (laughs) right
1: which is like hello postpartum like like from what i've heard from stories of women telling about their experiences with postpartum it's like you know being just fed up and at their end with the child they gave birth to but also still caring about it it's like this weird yeah two extremes come like conflicting it's so crazy
0: exactly so she um starts to leave but then she comes back and has a real (laughs) absurdist moment where she's trying to grab something out of the bed yeah she's pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling until both of them are like practically in hysterics over this and finally she pulls a suitcase free
1: (laughs) (laughs) i thought at first that she'd come back and was like as like a (laughs) (laughs) like
0: she's gonna just tear the bed apart yeah on the floor (laughs) as like a last
1: like f you she's gonna just tear off like the footboard and be like this is mine now bye (laughs) that's what i thought was happening yeah i
0: didn't know what she was doing i heard her tell about later on like in a very recent interview about how funny that was to shoot because David Lynch was just like, just keep going until I tell you to stop. Yeah. <laughs> both by the point that she stopped, she was like, ah.
1: <laughs> it, it was like, they're just staring at each other. Like she's just pulling and staring and pulling. Yeah. And it's just like, okay.
0: <laughs> but uh, Henry is just laying there. And um, okay. And then we have this scene, which I say is either the last scene of the first half or the first scene of the last half, which is um the neighbor wet and looking like straight up like dorothy valance yes (laughs) walking down the hallway so i couldn't tell if that was the end of the first half or the beginning of the second half or maybe it's just a bridge between the two but i think so pretty much the halfway mark
1: (sighs) wow (laughs) what a first (laughs) (laughs) half yes
0: all right okay so for a deep dive for this one i did something a little different Okay. I didn't do a character for this one because there's just not enough characters, and there's just, I mean, there's surprisingly not enough scholarly stuff, dissections. Yeah, over. that I could find about this movie, specifically the characters. So I decided to do the deep dive for the first half on absurdism. Okay. And just do a little history of absurdism. Sounds great. Okay, so absurdism is about the conflict between the human tendency to seek inherent value and meaning in life, and the human inability to find any in purposeless, meaningless, or chaotic and irrational universe.
1: Sounds right.
0: The universe and the human mind do not separately cause the absurd, but rather the absurd arises by the contradictory nature of the two existing simultaneously. So that's like the basic tenets of absurdism. It also explores the fundamental nature of the absurd and how individuals, once conscious of it, should respond. Okay. So there was an absurdist philosopher named Albert Cam- Camus. Uh-huh. Um, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but he stated that individuals should embrace the absurd condition of human existence while also defiantly continuing to explore and search for meaning. So, you know, even though the world is crazy, you have to keep trying. <laughs> yeah. But that's not how all absurdists felt. Um, it was actually started by a guy named Kierkegaard. I believe they talk about him on The Good Place.
1: Yeah. I was, I know the name because I've heard it in, that in school. And, cause we yeah. did a, a class in um, a high school called Theory of Knowledge. Oh. And it just went back about different philosophers and different movements. And
0: uh-huh. it's really interesting. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, he was a 19th century Danish philosopher. And he wrote extensively about the absurdity of the world. Um, and there were a couple I think Albert Camus also wrote um, absurdist writings in manifesto type stuff okay um, so fast forward to the theater of the absurd which is what I'm more familiar with personally Me too. Um, that's a post-world war ii uh, a movement primarily of European playwrights so like late 1950s okay and um, and the absurd in these plays tends to take the form of man's reaction to the world um a world apparently without meaning so uh-huh. the man is kind of a puppet controlled or menaced by invisible outside forces which feels very eraser because like the man pulling the, the levers planet is like kind of you know setting all this into motion and you know that's a lot of outside forces oh yeah
1: um i could definitely see like this movement taking off especially after the second world war yeah with the like amount of like just devastation and life loss like... oh yeah
0: that's always when these sorts of um movements. artistic manifestos and movements start to happen as like especially like right after wars and stuff like that oh yeah um so it was uh, the first really most popular first popular um absurdist play it was called the bald soprano by eugene ionesco Okay. I've actually seen that one a couple of times. It's a popular um, high school <laughs> type okay, crazy. Yeah. Um, or maybe just at my high school. But the, the plays <laughs> usually have um, broad comedy, similar to vaudeville. Okay. Mixed with horrific or tragic images. Uh huh. Characters caught in hopeless situations, forced to do repetitive or meaningless actions. Dialogue that's full of cliches, wordplay, and nonsense and cyclical or absurdly expansive plots so a lot of that sounds very Eraserhead head to me especially like yeah um, repetitive meaningless actions you know
1: checking the mail every day <laughs> yeah <laughs> when there's nothing there but tiny worms
0: exactly so the term theater of the absurd was coined by a critic mark martin eslin in 1960 in his book and he wrote i think this is a really long quote or is it okay so let me just write read his long quote <laughs> Uh Let me take a drink first. Okay. So he wrote in his book, The theater of the absurd attacks the comfortable certainties of religious or political orthodoxy. It aims to shock its audience out of complacency and to bring it face to face with the harsh facts of the human situation as these writers see it. But the challenge behind this message is of, is anything but one of despair. It is a challenge to accept the human condition as it is in all its mystery and absurdity, and to bear it with dignity, nobly, responsibly, precisely because there are no easy solutions to these mysteries of existence, because ultimately man is alone in a meaningless world. The shedding of easy solutions, of comforting illusions, may be painful, but it leaves behind it a sense of freedom and relief, and that is why, in the last resort, the theater of the absurd does not provoke tears of despair but the laughter of liberation huh does that, that sound like you could write that about Eraserhead in a head yeah way? <laughs> yeah i mean at least my interpretation of Eraserhead. um but i uh, we, sh- we won't get to that till the end <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> what's like absurdism to me is like a lot of like i mean com- like conflicting things all in one like the um liberation thing made me think of like the um like how man is alone and it's like there's like it almost like frees you of consequences but then you also have the theme of like the industrial like pollution and there are consequences still so it's like
0: outside forces out of your yeah yeah
1: Yeah. so it's like this weird like conflicting where you're like you're alone and there's no consequences (laughs) but actually
0: yeah i I mean it really makes you think yeah so yeah so uh, we'd love it if you would write in and tell us what you think of um absurdism and whether you think Eraserhead is absurdist. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know this is random because it's not a person, but uh-huh. I did sort absurdism into <laughs> a sign anyway.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I decided that it was Aquarius. Okay. Or Aquarian in nature, absurdism. Okay. Aquarius is intelligent, inventive, humanistic, reformative, emotionally detached, and impersonal.
1: Uh, yeah, that seems right. Yeah, that's great.
0: I didn't really. It could, I mean, I don't know about Harry Potter. <laughs> Ravenclaw, uh, maybe. It is I an would intellectual say exercise.
1: <laughs> I would say maybe like Ravenclaw.
0: Did you say Gryffindor? No,
1: <laughs> no. I was I, like,
0: are we just mashing them up? <laughs> no,
1: I, I, I feel like there are no Gryffindor or Hufflepuff qualities.
0: No. Well, I mean, I think of. maybe. A Ravenclaw would write absurdism.
1: Oh, uh, for sure. Because I was, at first I wouldn't say like Ravenclaw, Slytherin. But like Slytherin, I feel like they're, I don't know. Like it's so hard to like.
0: Slytherin might appreciate the absurdities of a meaningless world. A little bit. To find meaning in But it. I, I always <laughs>
1: associate like ambition with Slytherin. And I feel like with absurdism, like the idea of ambition is not necessarily like a prevailing thing. It is an ambitious thing.
0: undertaking to write yes, something yes. like <laughs> that, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: But like, um, I don't know. I, I get more ravenclaw
0: okay i would say ravenclaw <laughs> not that really you can classify yeah. a movement of art into, into a singular <laughs> yeah but, just
1: but we're for, gonna
0: try anyway what for do you fun think? <laughs> what do you think absurdism is exactly. is it aquarian is it ravenclaw let us know This week, I'm going to recommend a video game. Ooh. <laughs> it's from this studio called Amanita Design. Uh-huh. And I love all of their games that I've ever played on the iPad. But there's this one game called Samurast 3, mm-hmm. which I think is especially beautiful, like the art style. And you're flying around to all these little planets. Oh, wow. And it just, the imagery kind of feels, it, some of it just when i saw Eraserhead, head i was it reminded me of this game in a certain oh, cool. ways it wasn't dark and bleak like that but it was like Baron. i don't know it's just got really cool art and um so wow. i'm gonna recommend that one i know you can get it on um ios but okay. i imagine you can probably get it on like other platforms as well
1: i'm sure like maybe like uh, nintendo yeah seems like they would have something like that <laughs> that's a good idea my recommendation is um a podcast this week oh it's, um, I don't, I don't think it's very absurdist, but it's, like, absurd in nature. Like, it's just really weird, off the wall, super funny. Um, it's called A Woman's Smile, and it is, uh, by Patty Harrison and Lorelai Ramirez, two comics. Uh-huh. Um, Patty is a, she's, her comedy style is very, like, um, like, very, um, vulgar in your face, <laughs> just, like so like weird but she I think she's one of the funniest people I've ever seen like I never know what to expect (laughs) out of her mouth and then Lorelai she seems very absurdist to me (laughs) she is like very dark comedy she's really funny um she did I I haven't seen it yet but she did something like a special for uh Adult Swim Uh that got a lot of praise oh a lot of people loved it and she's just so she's in um the HBO show Los of Spookies
0: Oh, I've been wanting to watch that. It's
1: really good. I love that show. You should watch that show, too. <laughs> Super good. Um, but she's in it, and her character is so funny. It, like one of my, I think her character might be my favorite character on that show. Ooh. She's so funny. I'm going to have
0: to watch that for sure. But it's, I'm going to listen it, to that podcast because yes. I feel like you've recommended that to me before.
1: It's just like it's so funny because it's like a very underlying themes of like feminism uh-huh. because it's called like A Woman's Smile. Uh-huh. And they will always start every episode with a reading by a, like a fake poet called Gigi <laughs> Hubert. And they're like it's our favorite poet. And it's like supposed to be you would think it'd be like this really meaningful thing but it's just like this awful like uh, this man commenting on like women's bodies. Ooh. It's just, but it's like they do it so funny, yeah. and after they read, they're always like, "Ah, oh, so good," and like it's just so funny. I love that podcast. I'm gonna have to
0: check that one out yes. for sure. And they
1: just started their new season, so oh. there's a couple episodes out for that one. Nice. And it's really good.
0: Perfect. Okay, and so finally, um, so you guys will get the next half of a racer head next week, but we. We'll be recording another check-in episode next week. So we were hoping that we could encourage some of you guys to write in. We're really interested in your theories of Eraserhead, what you thought of uh, this version of Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. And we had some cool ideas that maybe if you felt like um, writing, like, say, we'd love some, like, fan fiction, like, you know, a paragraph or two or however long you want. But, like, stories of, like, how, um, what did we say, Lucy Steele and Robert Ferris ended up getting together. Or um, uh, I can't remember one specifically from Pride and Prejudice. But we'd also like to know what are your theories of Eraserhead and what it means and um if you have anything like we were thinking of maybe writing like say take lizzie bennett but Mm -hmm. put her in her own absurdist eraser head style drama and like write a scene from that so we'd love it if you guys had any sort of out of the box ideas like that we really want to encourage you guys to write in and we'd love to share some like fan fiction and some mashup ideas on our next check-in episode
1: yes because i mean Everyone knows this. Pride and Prejudice. The Sense of Sensibility is really popular. And erase your head, it will leave an impression on you for the rest of your life. Like, it is such an <laughs> yeah, interesting You, you at
0: least need to put a check in that box and say, Okay, I, I watched that. Yeah. <laughs> My you, film knowledge is more complete now. Exactly.
1: Because you, I guarantee you, you will meet someone who has watched it and they will have their own separate idea and theories yeah, about it.
0: Yeah, and, you know, endless conversations can be had about it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, give us a... Um, Actually, you know, if you go to our website, MannersAndMadness.com, there is a button on there that you can leave a voice message. So Uh-oh. if you really wanted to, you could leave us a voice message. But if you just wanted to write us an email, you could send it to MannersAndMadness at gmail.com.
1: Yes. Or you can uh, DM us on Instagram at MannersAndMadnessPod uh-huh. or on Twitter at MannersMadness. Yes. So please reach out. We, yes. we hear from you. We
0: would love to hear from you. Um, all right. And so next week we will be continuing our um, exploration of yes. Eraser Head, and you'll get to hear our final conclusions. So we hope you'll come back and join us next week.
1: Yeah. See you then.
0: Thank you. Good night.